Hey everyone, my name is Igal Adado and this is the Palm Leaders Podcast. A podcast to help you make more money, stress less, and live an epic life, all while working at the pawn shop. Hey Pawn family, welcome back to another great episode of the Pawn Leaders Podcast. And on this episode, I have a palm broker who I just met at the Dixie Convention. Scott was born in Philadelphia and moved at the age of three to Las Vegas, Nevada. His dad was a professional poker player, and for anyone who knows the poker world, won the World Series of Poker in 1984. He moved a lot following his dad and his work, including a short time in Chicago. He attended high school in Las Vegas and went to Arizona State College, and prior to graduating in 1998, he received a call from his mother saying, we're opening up a pawn shop. So to help the family, he moved to Lake Cormorant, which isn't a lake anymore, mm-hmm. and opened the doors for them. And I've been there ever since, loving what he does every single day. Scott, welcome to the podcast, brother. Hey, what's going on, bud? Hey, hello, everybody out there. And uh, thank you so much for being here. I know that we just met at the Dixie Convention. It was a pleasure. And oh, you seem a like a guy who, who knows so much about the industry, who loves the industry. And I said, you're a guy I got to have on the, on the podcast. So thanks for coming on. I don't know if I know everything, but, you know, I love learning about it. I love, I tell everybody when I go to a convention, I learn more at the bar than I do in the convention because I love sitting around with these guys. And I mean, you got a guy who's got 30, 40 years of experience. And normally if you talk to him, he'd never tell you anything. Put a couple bourbons in him and he'll tell you whatever you need to know. <laughs> right. And it's it's absolutely the best thing in the world. Like I, I try and get people, especially the guys who own these smaller pawn shops, to go to conventions, to go to meetings, to get to know these guys. And some of them just refuse. And I'm like, you don't understand. Yes, I know it's a hard schedule and you got to fit it in. But I'll be honest, one day at a convention is six months worth of experience in the store. I I agree, man. I I totally agree with you. I believe that if you're in an area that you can get out to a convention, a meeting, a state association, do it. Like it's so important to learn from other people that way you don't make the same mistakes that they made and they've just pushed forward your education along for, like you said, a bourbon. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a big believer in that. And you, you, I don't know if you noticed me at the convention, but I was there first thing every morning and the last one there at night. And that's absolutely what I want to try and push people to do um, because it's a great experience. It's a great education and I'll be honest, for the amount of money that you get charged, especially at the smaller conventions, it's worth every dime. Yeah, I agree with you, man. So let's talk about your your pawn shop a little bit and how you got into the business. Tell me, I, I kind of hit on it that in 1998, um, you know, your mother called you and said, we're opening up a pawn shop. Tell me mm-hmm. the story of why she said you were meant to work in a pawn shop. Well, um, the, the story I tell everybody and my mom loves telling is she took me to flea markets when I was a kid. And just naturally, I just knew how to haggle. She said, nobody ever taught me how to do this, but I'd take $5 and put it in this pocket and $8 and put it in that pocket and walk up to a vendor who's selling something for 10 bucks, reach in one pocket and go, but I only have eight bucks, right? And she'd just sit back and laugh, laugh, knowing that I had three or four pockets full of different amounts of money that this little seven, eight, 10 year old kid could walk up and and essentially grift these guys into selling them something for cheaper than they would sell to anybody else. You know, and take it, whatever I was buying, 
put it in my pocket, give it to my mom and move on to the next table. And I always knew how much money I had in which pocket. And by the end of the day, I'd made a killing just absolutely, uh, you know, taking a shortcut around these guys who'd never seen a kid haggle. That's awesome. So, yeah. And after that, and, um, you know, mom's always been one of my supporters, went to college of a double major in poli sign history. So I tell everybody I went to school to learn how to bull. And um, all of a sudden got a call from my mom said, hey, we're opening a pawn shop, which was very weird for me because I'm the first person in my family to have a steady paycheck in 20 years. Dad being a professional poker player, we, we were never used to actually, you know, running a shop or doing anything. So we showed up, they gave me the keys and said, good luck, have fun. And I got thrown into the gauntlet. I had no idea what I was doing, had no idea what the pawn industry was about and had to learn it from the steps all the way. Nice, up. man. And one thing that surprised me is you kept on saying, yeah, my shop's in the middle of nowhere. And I really didn't believe you. And then we, we Google mapped <laughs> it and you are in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. I'm, I'm on Highway 61, which is the thoroughfare between Memphis and Tunica, Mississippi. Um, we're kind of way off in the middle of nowhere. Literally, my backyard is surrounded by soybean or cotton or whatever they plan to grow this year. This year it's going to be soybeans. Nobody around here likes rice because they just flood the fields. And uh, all we depend on is drive-by traffic, people that see us. Um, it was funny. I was talking to one of my pawnbroker buddies from Australia and he actually had his guys, you know, look me up on Google earth. One of their main complaints was we don't get enough walk by traffic. <laughs> and he actually interviewed me in front of all his main guys. And he says, okay, what do you do if somebody walks into your store? And I said, you mean like drive up and walk in? He says, no, no. If they just flat out walk into your store from the road, what do you do? I said, I hand him a phone and a bottle of water. And he goes, why? I said, because it broke down somewhere. <laughs> they need to make a phone call. There's no other reason why you walk, up, walk into my store. That's yeah. it. If you're not driving there, there's no reason to be there. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, um, it, it is, uh, tell us a little bit about the ahead. regulations. Like what can you charge? How long is the hold period sure. where you're at? Mississippi is actually fairly uh, a lenient state. We can charge um, 25%. We have to hold for two months. Um, so it's 300% APR. Uh, we are allowed to hold buys two weeks if we do uh, automatic computer transferring to police, three weeks if we're having to upload or we're having to upload or, or fax pawn tickets to police. Um, overall, the banking commission works with us really well. Um, they've actually said that in meetings with us is that when we show up to pawn shop, pawn conventions and everything else, if you're in the room with us, we don't have issues with you. Very, very few times. As a matter of fact, I think the only time the banking commission has ever made a, a censure against any pawn shop was one time about 10 years ago and it was down on the coast. And it was simply because he wasn't using pawn wow. tickets. And, and that's absolutely a no-no and he had to get censured. Other than that, banking commission works really well with us and our laws work great. Nice, man. So tell me, like, how long, how many people are in your town, city, area that you... Sure. Well, actually, we looked it up when we compared it to your main store. Uh, for our zip code, for our local zip code, we had, what, 2,200 yeah. people. And I believe the median income was 45000 
Um, it was a really high ratio of males to females. It was like 75% male, 25% female, which actually that surprised me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a little area. And yes, we do pull, pull a lot from the locals, but we pull a, a lot from all over the world. One of the cool things is we're on Highway 61, which is a blues highway. We get people from all over the world who show up to Memphis and they want to travel all the way down Highway 61 through 49 to the blues crossroads. And we've gotten some really cool customers come in from Italy, England, all the, all the time from England. Actually had a couple come in from Spain about two months ago. And they were absolutely a blast to meet. In the end, we, we, we swapped hats. And I ended up with, uh, he was a police officer from Spain. So I ended up with a, a Spanish police, uh, nice. police hat. Um, best trade I ever made. It was absolutely a cool thing. And I love meeting those folks that are from everywhere across the world. Um, and they, one of the cool things about our stores, they, we kind of suck them in, you know, I'm a bit of a stand-up comedian and the other manager we have is definitely a musician. So he'll pull a guitar off the wall. He'll sing, he'll, he'll play piano. Um, and we love telling them the stories of the blues and the Delta and everything else my philosophy in the shop has always been kind of that of a casino, which is the longer they're there, the more chances they'll spend money and the more they'll spend. And, um, the, the more conversation that we can have with somebody doesn't just help us. It helps them, you know, and in the end I've learned way more from my customers than I ever have from any book anybody else could have ever taught me. So I, I love just talking to people, getting their stories, finding out where they're from, it's an absolute. So blast. I'm hearing two things, Scott. One is that, you know, the people who complain about, I don't have enough foot traffic. I don't have enough people walking in. You're making them walk in because of who you are and the way you serve your clients. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's rule number one. The, 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 the client comes first. Um, and part of that is, is not just treating them well, but it's treating them with empathy um, I'll tell you a funny story. On my honeymoon, we actually went to Australia. We hooked up with a buddy of mine down there and he took us out to dinner and we went to eight, nine, 10 bars. And about the 10th bar, I pulled him aside and said, man, I can't keep <laughs> going like this. All night. What are we doing? He said, well, I'm opening a new shop and I'm looking for pawnbrokers. And I said, what? He goes, bartenders make the best pawnbrokers. They can remember somebody's name. They can remember their drink and they can talk to them. They can empathize with them. So what you didn't see was that out of the 10 bars we went to, I pulled three guys aside, gave them my card and a $50 bill and said, call me Monday morning and we'll talk about what we nice. And And from what I've talked about, a lot of the other pawnbrokers I know that are great, that are empathetic, used to be bartenders. It seems to be a very common thing, but it works for us because that works at the counter. Yeah, and the other thing I heard, Scott, was that you try to keep them in the store for a long time because the longer they stay the more they'll spend or or you have a chance of yeah. selling them something so you're not just Absolutely. rushing them out the door you're taking your time with them yeah well i if they want to do business I'll, i want to go as fast as i can but if they want to take the time to stay absolutely stay please stay you know and, and we've had people come in pawn make a payment and put something in layaway in the same shop because they wanted to stay around and listen and, and BS and talk and tell jokes. So that's, that's great for me. The more business that I can, you know, produce out of whatever 
I'm given. I'll I'll take a, a lemon and squeeze lemonade. Nice. And I remember my time, you know, on the line that people would come in to get money and then they'd tell you why they need it. And then they would just tell you their lives. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I tell everybody I'm a priest, bartender and banker rolled into <laughs> one. I like that. So, uh, I mean, absolutely. I'll listen to your story. I'll tell you what you think you need to do. You know, I'm a jailhouse lawyer on the side. Um, you know, I've been asked for legal advice many times. Um, and, and anything like that, I don't mind telling, them. I, you know, I tell them front flat up, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but you know, this is, this is what I've seen. This is what I know. Um, from there, do your research. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that we have to be empathetic with, you know, the clients that, that walk in because they're not, they're not going through the best scenario. No, no. I, my favorite line is I have great customers that I see on bad days. I love that. Nobody ever comes to see me when they're having a great day. When they come to see me, they're, they're at their end. They're at the bottom of the line and I, they need my help. Right. Well, part of our business is being that help, you know, and they know they can come to us when they're in a bad spot. So I tell people when I see people, I have great people that I deal with. I just have to deal with them on their worst days. Man, I think that that's, that's such a good phrase because if you walk into the pawn shop like that and know that the people walking in aren't doing this, you know, being in a bad mood or if they get a little bit angry, it's not personal towards you. It's more they're great no, customers no. and it's their bad day and it happens to all of us. Right, right. And I mean, I, I, I try to tell everybody that pawnbrokers have bad days too. I mean, I had one... One lady who, who I didn't know, two plus two didn't add up to me, but she pulled me aside after I'd known her about a year. And she said, by the way, I want to let you know that you were a completely different person than I expected. And I said, how's that? And she goes, well, the first time I came into the store, I was trying to pawn, sell my Rolex. And the first thing that you said to me was, I'm having a bad day. So, you know, please, please forgive me. And I really was. It was, a, I was having a oh, very you bad day. You about a year later, day. she pulled me aside. Yeah, and she said, you're absolutely right, because I've known you for a year now, and I've never seen you again like that. She goes, you must have just had a very bad day. I said, I actually think I remember that now. And yes, <laughs> it was. you caught me at the end of one of my very bad days. But tell everybody, everybody has bad days, and all you can do is try and make it better for everybody else. In the meantime, it makes it better for Man, you. Man, this is, this is huge, Scott. I think this is a big mindset shift, because a lot of times pawnbrokers think that People are walking in, they know that they're at their wits end, that they need some cash, but they forget how bad it feels to need five or $10. Right. And how, oh, yeah. not embarrassing, because it's not embarrassing to walk into the pawn shop, but I've never felt it. And the moment where you say like, I've got nowhere else to go. I need to go, you know, get money for my ring, my, my laptop, whatever it is, it's not a great situation. Um, the one, the one time you can really see it is, um, ironically enough, one of the classes that I needed to actually graduate from college, I was short two classes. One was a non-lab science and one was Spanish 202. And I tell everybody when I opened my shop, I did not speak very good Spanish, but over the years, it's one of the things I, I knew that I needed to learn was Spanish. Now I'm not saying I'm completely fluent. Matter of fact, I'm hardly there. I know just enough to get, you know, hurt in a border town. <laughs> But one of the looks, biggest looks of relief is when a, a, a Hispanic couple comes in and they have their kid with them. And the kid's 9, 10, 12, 
And they're using him as a translator to pawn. And they realize I speak enough Spanish to, to help them in their transaction without their child. And they realize, oh, wow, you know, now we don't have to let our 12-year-old know that we're broke. Yeah. And this, this guy can take care of us um, uh, enough that, that we can do business. We don't need to tell, the, tell our 12-year-old that we're broke. And voila, he's really helping us out. And the look of relief on their faces is just amazing. Man, that's incredible. That's incredible. I, you know, the, the stores I had were in a very, very big Latin area and we were blessed to know Spanish really well. And, but I I agree. I think it's knowing your customer, knowing what they need and making them feel comfortable because it's gotta be uncomfortable walking into the pawn shop. And so even if you've been a a client for 15 years, right? So I I commend you on that, man. I think it's, it's, I think it's incredible that you see it that way. and, And empathy for me is huge when it comes to clients. So, so good on you for that, man. Let's talk about this. You came to the show with some weird items that you didn't even know what they were, that you bought them and I still or don't. you took them into pawn. I'm going to guess that down the blues highway, you come into some very, very particular stuff. Oh, I, I'm, the other thing is I'm, I'm known to take it all, you know, basically it's, it's gotta be, it either has to be something that's so odd or I know I'd have to insult you so much that I won't take it. Um, well, I, I have a pretty small building. My, my building's maybe only 1,800 square feet, um, which, all right, in the small, some cities is, is, you know, pretty big, but down here, it really limits me is I can't take furniture. I can't take, you know, washer dryers because they literally take up too much landscape. They take up too yeah. much area. But for the most part, I'll take anything. In the last year, the only thing I, was, I can only thing is I can think of that I've turned down are like plastic plants, an egg incubator, and a wedding dress. <laughs> and the, I actually have been yelled at since then about not taking the egg incubator because people around here are like, "Oh, did you get it? I want one." I'm like, "Oh, great! Now I know." So the next time I see an egg incubator, I'll absolutely buy it. But um, as far as the wedding dresses, I don't want to tell this young lady that her. Five hundred to five thousand dollar wedding dress is worth fifteen dollars in a pawn shop. I, yeah, you know, I'd rather not insult yeah, you. Yeah, for like sure, that. I agree. Man. And so, so, for all these years, nineteen years, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned? You know, sitting with the people at the bar, going to these conventions, doing, you know, transaction after transaction, that you want to give to you know another pawnbroker who's listening to this might be in their second or third year of business. What would you offer them? Like the three biggest lessons that you've learned that have created the success that you have today? Let's see. That's a hard question. Um, One, don't be afraid to admit that you've made a mistake. Nice. Right. That we, we all make mistakes. My biggest mistakes are speed and greed. Right. And I try every day to cut that out. And of course my human nature gets in the way, but Speed and greed are my weaknesses. And if you know what your weaknesses are, you can support them and then push your good points. So I'm, I'm very good at haggling. I'm very good at, at recognizing what somebody needs, but at the same time, speed and greed get in the way. So I need to take my time, not be greedy and talk to people. And that's number one. Uh, number two is be willing to try anything, even if it doesn't work. Um, I have, tried taking almost everything 
And sometimes it works for you and sometimes it doesn't. Um, everybody's individual location, you know, leads to, to being successful in certain things. I know guys up here that run pawn shops that are 90% guns and it works for them. Where at the same time, we like to be between 70 and 80% jewelry, but that really works for us. It's what we know the best. It's what we do the best. And lastly, I'd say that is have fun. You know, the, if you're in this industry, it leads itself to, to the ability to have fun right? That you get to have a great time at work. Use that to your advantage. If you're having a great time, your customers are going to have a great time. If you're having a blast, trust me, it'll make your employers, employees happy. It'll make your customers happy. And at the end of the day, you'll leave, leave. If you leave with a smile, it's been a great day. I, I love that, man. I just want to go over that. Number one is speed and greed. Don't, you know, don't do things too quickly and don't get greedy. Number two, try anything. And the third one, which is have fun. I think that's why I was so, you know, connected to, to you at the, at the Dixie convention was because you were always smiling, always laughing, always offering advice, you know, just, you know, it, it was just a good time. And you can see how much you yeah. love your life, how much you love working at the pawn shop and how much you love this industry. So I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I tell everybody, we only work half a day. Because we open at 8 a.m. and we close at 8 p.m. So we, we only work half days. Um, and everybody thinks I complain about the long hours. But honestly, when I'm working that shift, it's great. I have fun for 12 hours. You know, matter of fact, the only time when I'm bored is when no one's there. Yeah. Right? Bring them in the door. Get them in the door. Let me talk to them. It perks me up every time. That's awesome, man. Scott, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on the, on the Paul leaders podcast. If you haven't yeah. met Scott, you know, re reach out to him. He's, he's a great guy, knows a lot. And if you're at a convention with him, he's just a good time. Like you really are. Yeah. Always smiling, always happy. Oh, I so I appreciate that. All right, man. Hey, it was blast. And if, if, you know, uh, I can do anything for you ever, let me know. And you got to come down and visit us sometime. You at least got to make a for tour. Sure. I got, you know, I was so close. Next time I'm going to go out there and, and uh, travel a little bit. There's a couple of shops in Mississippi I want to see and people I want to visit. And, uh, well, Hey, all right. I got an idea for you next year. You pull in, you fly into little rock and you rent you an RV. And on the way down, you pick up all the pawnbrokers you can. And then we have a party all the way down to uh, orange beach. You know, that sounds great. You drive. <laughs> that actually sounds like you a know. lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I nice, man. Beautiful. So, uh, Pawn family, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pawn Leaders Podcast. Remember to check us out on Facebook on the Pawn Leaders Podcast community where we're chatting and we're in there. And, and Scott, I don't know if you're in there or not, but I'll put you in. If you have any questions for right. Scott, he'll be in there. And don't forget, if you want to have a conversation with me, I give out uh, complimentary strategy sessions and go to pawnleaders.com and just give me your information, book a time, and let's rock and roll. Thanks again, and I look forward to having you guys on the next episode.